0: empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So today on the podcast, we're going to be talking about vulvodynia and pelvic pain and what we can do about it. My guest today is Lorraine. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Madeline. It's wonderful to be here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been following your blogs and your work, and so, you know, having the opportunity to actually discuss with you sort of virtually in person um, is, is just, it's amazing. So thank you for taking time to come and share your wisdom with us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. So I figure probably the
0: first place to begin is tell us a little bit about you.
1: Um, okay, so I'm a pelvic health and pain relief coach, and what I do is I I help women relieve pelvic pain, different kinds of pelvic pain, vulvodynia, pudendal neuralgia, interstitial cystitis, um, using a mind body approach. So all the things that their doctor probably isn't doing with them <laughs> to help them. Um, get to some of the other causes of pelvic pain that aren't always looked at.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure we'll be diving uh, yeah. deeper into <laughs> kind of what, what that sort of, uh, what that sort of means. So, yes. um, I mean, there are all kinds of different pelvic pains and most of the pelvic pain conditions, you know, most of the names are really just about where the pain you know, is, is, is located, but some of the more common, one one of the more common things that um, I, I tend to see is vulvodynia. So um, I thought maybe we can kind of focus sort of our conversation around that, but bringing in, you know, all of the other pelvic pains um, into the conversation, but how do you define vulvodynia? Like when you
1: think about vulvodynia, what does it mean to you? Um well I mean I guess the technical definition is like an unidentified pain in the vulva. Um so there are some medical things that can cause vulvar pain. Um but then there's also a lot of women have burning, um itching, even stabbing, aching kinds of pain in the vulva it can be in the vestibule around the vagina in a little bit inside the vagina. Um that really there's not a medically known cause for. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's basically what, it it can be provoked, which means that it can be, um, like it can happen during intercourse, or it can happen after intercourse, or it can be provoked by sitting too long, different kinds of exercise sometimes, or it can become chronic, so that you have the pain or discomfort all the time. Um, I had vulvar pain and I never was really diagnosed. I saw a lot of different doctors who gave me things to try that I was not going to (laughs) do. But, um, what I was experiencing was burning during sex first. And, um, for myself, what I noticed, and I think what a lot of other women notice is like at first there's kind of this hesitation to even talk about it with a medical provider because there can be some shame around it, or just like, it's something I had never heard of before I experienced it, right, that there could be this kind of burning and pain during intercourse. And then for me, it progressed eventually to chronic pain. And I think that that's what a lot of women I work with see. So I mean, vulvodynia can go along with other kinds of pelvic pain, like sometimes women have interstitial cystitis, which is more bladder related, and they'll also have vulvar pain with that. Um, It can start after chronic yeast infections. Like sometimes women will get a lot of yeast infections. It can be triggered sometimes by the treatments even. Um, A lot of times women will have vulvodynia and think they have a yeast infections because the symptoms can be similar. So it's really important actually to make sure that you're being tested that there is yeast before you're doing, yeast treatments, especially over the counter ones.
0: Well, I, that was just what I was going to say that, you know, I, I'll hear this from clients saying, you know, I, I would go, you know, to the to the mar- uh, to the supermarket or to the pharmacy and I would just do the seven day treatment and then be like, oh, well that didn't work. So I should do it again. And, and so, yeah, I absolutely agree that, um, you know, ruling out, you know, medical reasons for Mm -hmm. vulvar discomfort is 100% like you should have it looked at make sure it's not something um but what you're saying is that most often you and specifically the women that you're seeing don't have a medical explanation right
1: I see the women who they've tried all the, they've gone to their doctors, often they've gone to many and they've had pain for even really like 10 years or more um, before they you know learn about the mind-body components. I think that that's becoming more common knowledge now, thankfully, but um, still, yes, they have done all the medical things and they still have pain and they don't know why and they haven't been able to get help. Another thing I'll just mention, which I'm sure you see too, is that, Uh, There's some research that birth control can actually cause vulvar pain. Um, It can happen while you're on the pill or even after you come off of it. So that's another thing to look for that I think not everybody knows to look for.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, Certainly I've seen, you know, I mean, I've heard women report changes in their symptoms related to their cycle uh, hormonal level changes. Um, so yeah, the connection is, is certainly can certainly be there, um, to a hor like a hormonal component, not that it's the only thing, but certainly can be a contributing factor in some, some of the cases for sure. Absolutely.
1: Can I just add two for that? Absolutely. (laughs) Even if there is a hormonal reason, like menopause or it got set off by birth control. Some of what we're going to talk about, like looking at the mind-body components and the nervous system and stuff, that all can help to balance hormones and, and also to stop the pain.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. And, 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 I, and I'm sure we're going to dive into kind yeah. of trying to make, uh, make that connection for people. Um, okay. Okay. I just want to perhaps review, um, again, like sort of in your experience, so the women who are coming to you, you know, what are what are some of the symptoms that they're reporting to you? That may or may not be vulvodynia, but, you know, certainly pelvic pain, like what might a client be, you know, they what might somebody be coming to see you for? What are they reporting?
1: Yeah, um, I guess usually, uh, a lot of times it's, well, by the time they come to me, they might not be having sex anymore because it hurts when they have sex. Yeah. Um, and sometimes pain, like it can be burning, like I said, or itching. Yeah. It's not always what we think of as necessarily pain. Right. Um, a lot of them are like not able to wear jeans anymore or underwear. Cause once it starts to be more chronic, that tissue and the nerves can just get triggered easily, more easily by things. Sitting is a big one, not being able to sit. Uh, also, even like frequency with urination and a burning or pain with urination that's not necessarily vulvidinia, but pelvic pain. Um, I mean, other things that are considered pelvic pain could be irritable bowel syndrome, even like you know, low, low back pain, hip pain. Um, any kind of chronic pain in the pelvis, really, that has no other medical cause, endometriosis also. And there's a lot of interesting research with endometriosis that shows that, you know, there's some pretty significant mind-body components even with that because there's not always a connection between the number of lesions or what is being seen physically and the amount of pain that a woman is having.
0: Yeah, I've seen that uh, research as well and I've interviewed a a colleague who had endometriosis herself oh. and and actually we went to the uh International Pelvic Pain Annual Conference. So oh, nice. it was all about endometriosis and the and the research showing that you can have like stage 1 which is very minimal and have excruciating pain and other people have stage 4 and it's like they don't have any pain. So right exactly it's, and i mean we see the, I, I, we certainly see this research with like radiological changes seen on you know low back and neck and knees not everybody that has osteoarthritis just cuz it shows up on on, a, on an x-ray doesn't necessarily mean that's the reason for the pain and that's Absolutely. a really it's such a tricky thing for people to like when i tell them they're like what but how is that possible like it's showing that but you know, why is or is that not a contributing factor? So, um, let's, let's start diving into this connection. So the first, so, so is it always about the
1: tissues? Right. No. So I think that's what exactly what, where you were going with that. So Um, I think our medical model like kind of we that's how we've learned to think about pain Like that's actually how our medical system has been treating pain for a long time If there's pain, it means something is wrong in the tissues of the body Um, But pain, you know is much more complicated than that so like neuroscience mind-body medicine There's all kinds of pain research that's showing that all pain actually comes from the brain and sometimes there's a physical issue in the body and sometimes there's not any physical issue in the body. And you know, and the opposite can happen. There can be a physical issue in the body and no pain. So pain actually is a dangerous signal. And what's happening in the tissues of the body is, can be one factor that influences whether your brain creates pain, but it's not the only factor for
0: sure. Okay, do you, because I, I know that I get this, and you yeah. must get it too are you saying it's in
1: my head? Like, are you saying it's in my brain? Good question. Right. Uh, It's, it. you know, so that's been used as such a criticism of women, especially, you know, yeah. Uh, too emotional. It's all in your head, you know, awful. Like, you know, I've had, I, I had some not great experience with doctors myself, but you know, women I've worked with have had psychologists tell them they owe oh, their husband's intercourse, so just drink a glass of wine and get over it. Like, have sex, even if it hurts, kind of thing. So, like, um, but, but with the question, it's all in your head. No, it it's, the pain is real, physical pain. And, um, but it is still coming from the brain. But that's true of all pain, even pain that is because of a physical issue in the body. I really like um, Lorimer Mosley, who has a wonderful book called Painful Yarns. And one of the examples he uses is, um, you know, an amputee, like somebody who doesn't even have a limb, can have real excruciating pain in a, in a part of their body that's not even there anymore, right? So, yes, that pain is in their head, but it's still re- being felt as real physical pain. It, it's being,
0: it is being experienced.
1: Experienced, exactly. Right, Sorry
0: um yeah because it is real it's 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 a real experience um but again may not be related to the tissue so again sometimes it is sometimes it isn't and and it makes it challenging and you know and it's also distressing um you know for the people that come into my office they go you know cuz they go to the doctor and their mind's kind of like okay um, I'm gonna get all these tests done. Once I know what it is, then like we can do something. And oftentimes these tests come back negative, and it's like, oh my god, what is it? Are they missing something? If it's not, if god, we don't yeah. see something, this okay. must be really the. You know, I don't even know what to make of it, and it creates, I think, you know, some anxiety and stress around right. that idea because now you now you, they don't see anything, and it's like, well you know, now what?
1: Right. Yeah. And it can lead to this like hunt for looking for things that creates more issues and more pain. So, right. So there's a lot of components, as you know, of pain that aren't physical and they have to do with so many different things for each person. But, you know, I think the simple way to look at it is pain is a danger signal. So, And our brain is going to make a determination of pain based on a woman's past experiences, uh, both with emotions, with sex, Uh, any past trauma can influence, you know, that danger response, Um, nervous system stimulation.
0: Yeah. And I was going to
1: say, and um, just even
0: the potential, right? So danger could be like actual and or just potential.
1: Oh, right. Right? So the brain thing: Yeah. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so actually most of the time there is no real danger in the present and the decisions are being made based on the things that happened in the past. So I think for me, I do a lot of work with women around emotions, emotional energy, and also sexual energy. So our brain learns that emotions are threatening to us. And it usually learns that when we're kids, we might be in an environment where it's not safe to show or express emotions, you know, say something nice or don't say anything at all. We're not supposed to be angry. We're not supposed to be sad. Like, so our brain learns, Hey, this, this feeling in your body, this gets you rejected or in trouble. So let's just get rid of that feeling. And so now, as a, as a woman and an adult, emotional energy is hugely beneficial. There's no danger with emotional energy, but our brain has been conditioned in, from past experience to think that it's dangerous. So there's this automatic suppression reaction or danger response when there's emotional energy.
0: Okay, and that totally 100%? percent makes sense how do you explain to clients like okay you're telling me that the way I learned how to deal with emotions you know when I was a kid is now you know contributing to my problem how do you like how do you conceptualize that and and what are what is how do you explain that
1: hmm. so yeah I mean I
0: <laughs> it's a fully I'm I'm, I'm fully uh, loading the question
1: yes um I think. Well, what I would start with with saying is that there. I think a lot of women are already seeing a little bit of a connection between stressful experiences and the levels of pain. So if they even just pay a little bit more attention to that, you know, I can't even tell you the number of women I ha- have heard from. I went on vacation and I didn't have pain. Or I did this thing, when I'm doing this, I don't have pain. But if I'm, uh, you know, trying to sit through something that I really don't like, or if I'm in a highly stressful situation or something emotional just happened, then all of a sudden I have more tension in my pelvic floor, in my pelvis, and my symptoms are more. So part of it is just having them like, be curious and their own kind of researcher and notice what's happening in their own body um, to kind of get that connection I think also a lot of women I work with have have I teach them about that there are certain kind of personality types and I hate to generalize like this but that often end up with what I would call mind-body types of pain so women who are very have a lot of perfectionism tendencies or put a lot of pressure on themselves. There is research that shows a really strong correlation between anxiety and vulvodynia in particular. Um, So those like the anxiety from my experience comes from the same kind of patterns of how we've unconsciously learned to process emotions. And I don't think it takes looking that far to see that you know, women are sort of—we've been shamed around expressing emotions, around being emotional. Um, we've never mind, how to,
0: ne, never mind sexual expression. Oh, at
1: sexuality, yes, that's a whole right sexual energy, yeah. ex- sexual expression, uh, feeling pleasure in your body. You know, like so much religious and cultural conditioning around female pleasure. Um, So these are not things we're aware of or consciously doing. These are kind of ways our brain has adapted to help us survive and even thrive like in a, in like a, what I would call a more intellectually driven masculine kind of culture where success of a certain kind is heavily rewarded. So even just trying to, you know, fit into school and get good grades, like an overwhelming number of women I work with have been excellent students, high achievers have really, you know, jobs that put a lot of pressure on them, or are mothers who are taking responsibility for everybody and trying to do everything in the best way they can, you know, and that's wonderful, but also doing it in a way that cuts you off from your body and is very mentally driven can
0: yeah the way i also conceptualize that like at a at a nervous system level so like how does all of that overwhelm and that stress and that high pressure i also look at it as you know an electrical chemical signal that goes throughout the body through the nervous system and it kind of keeps us in fight or flight or freeze yeah, depending on how absolutely. we, you know, how we respond to the situation. So, you know, you're in a what we call a sympathetic, you know, output and your brain's releasing all of these chemicals, you know, cortisol, the stress hormone, uh, maybe some epinephrine or adrenaline, right? To, I got to get this, I got to get this, I got to get the kids here, I got to do this, you know, got to have sex later, got to do blah, 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 blah. <laughs> that, you yeah. know, when that tap is on all the time at some point the tub is going to overflow right and yes and that's usually when it shows up in the physical realm because what's pain supposed to do it's it's supposed to be a motivator that is trying to say hey something something's going on you need to change the way you're
1: doing things Yes, yes yes right yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and all of that like constant nervous system stimulation because of like the release of cortisol and so it that's trig- triggering the pain signal, like over that overflow, but also those responses literally create tension and contraction in the body. So tension in the pelvic floor, decreased blood flow to the sexual organs and the digestive organs, you know, because if we're in fight or flight, our our energy is being driven to the places to help us fight or flight and our sexual organs and digestion are like low priority at that time. So when that's going on on a chronic basis, um, it's hugely contributing to like pelvic floor dysfunction and impacting the level of oxygen and nutrition that's getting to the nerves and the muscles in that part of the body. Uh, And the the tissues. And the tissues. Yeah absolutely
0: so you feel it in the tissue but the tissue may not be the driver is what we're saying in some of the in a lot of these cases right it's 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 everything kind of around that is creating this nervous system response cuz we're never relax you know it's hard to relax when you know you have a lot of things going on and certainly if you're perfectionist and i mean i'm a recovering perfectionist so yes like, it's <laughs> it's really, really hard to like, wind it down. And like, this is good enough.
1: Yes, absolutely. So uh, and I, but the good news, the like, the really good news about that, and I think that there's been so many messages of like, it's in your head, and it's your fault. And like, that's kind of the negative way to look at it. But the upside of that is, I have so much not control but like there's so much I can do to help my body heal that's in my power you know and it and the process of doing it impacts health forevermore. it's not even just about the current pain like taking the time to really connect to yourself and unwind some of the ways that are we're putting pressure on ourselves and stressing out our nervous system and having unconscious tension in our bodies and not listening to our emotions as guidance or not having access to like full pleasure, like that journey of healing that is like awesome and wonderful (laughs) and it changes our life for the better and our health in so many ways. So
0: Absolutely. And, and, and that's an important, um, you know, important thing to say because oftentimes there's like hopelessness that can, you know, can come into this. And, you know, there's research to show, like, if we can increase your sense of self-efficacy, meaning, you know, helping you become confident that you can live the life that you want, despite having this discomfort right now, Mm -hmm. that you're taking the steps, you are able to take the steps moving forward to begin to change your future reality. And that that's hopeful and when you're when we're hopeful it has this other energy piece right. to it
1: yeah it it becomes like fight exciting and like fun even and yeah motivates us to do it absolutely which all of that decreases the stress response and helps to activate the body's healing response like i love to say our bodies are a healing machine like when we learn how to get out of the way and let our own energy flow through our body and you know, be in a parasympathetic nervous system response more of the time, not all of the time, our bodies are amazing at healing and like, and pain relief is, is not that difficult. I, am I have a program, uh, it's like a three month program. It's like a process I take women through and I'm teaching it right now. And we're about halfway through and our just call we had last week, like they're at the point where they're starting to see, Oh my God, I, showed up totally different in this situation or I didn't react after you know in this stressful situation the same way I would and it's just like this amazing process of self discovery and yeah so
0: thank you and- for bringing bringing that point up about you know you're halfway through your program and your programs you know a 3 month program because I was just going to say or ask like or comment or make a statement that you can agree or disagree, but this doesn't happen overnight. No. Right. No. Um, and it's, it's one of those, it, it, it's a challenge, right? Cause there's going to, the pain is going to, like the sensations are going to be there in the process. Um, but it's going to get better. Yeah. Right. It's, yep. you know, we, we, it's tough because we live in, uh, you know, this very fast paced modern society where, you know, if I send you an email, it's like, if you haven't responded in like 20 minutes, I'm like, hey, you know, right? Like, where's where's my response right, back, right, right? Right, right? And everybody, you know, and, and sometimes people are looking for that quick pill, right? And so yeah. when you do this type of work, the the work that's going to give you the long term benefits um, it's not so quick.
1: No, it's not quick. Although it, 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 there can be quick experiences, but it, the lasting relief does usually takes a little longer because you're actually, it's a transformational process. Like you're unwinding patterns that have been in existence your, almost your entire life. But it's so, so I think that, you know, if there was a pill that took the pain away, we'd all be taking the pill. Yeah, right? there's not (laughs) and sometimes you know having been doing this for 10 years and see with my own process and also women coming through the other end of the process over and over and over again and how inevitably they're always grateful for the experience I, I from that point of perspective I can say like the we're lucky when we get something that won't go away that way, because it forces us to go and do the work that will not only get rid of the pain, but change our lives for the better in so many ways. And, you know, that can be pelvic pain or a lot of other things, but.
0: Absolutely. uh, 100%. So just coming back to that mind body approach, um, because, you know, we talked about kind of dealing with emotions, thinking, thinking about the way that we're thinking about things, um, you know, learning about pain and trying to understand the process and like what, what it's doing. Um, do you have body approach? So where's the body, what's the body approach look like or the body part of it?
1: Yeah, I love that. Okay. So I'll just say, so, uh, Peter Levine is someone whose work I really admire, and not just him, there's a lot of people doing research on trauma now. And one of the, you know, and we all experience trauma at some level. It doesn't have to be a big trauma like sexual abuse. Like just growing up in this culture, there's trauma all the time. (laughs) So what happens, the way our brain responds to trauma is to dissociate from our body. And so a lot of these patterns that we're talking about, like being perfectionists, having a lot of anxiety, putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, they are also all strategies that keep us out of our body. So, and so healing trauma, the main way to heal trauma is to reassociate your brain with your body. And it sounds very simple, but it's not necessarily easy because... It's a protective response and so your brain tries to stop you from doing it. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah.
0: I'm I'm shaking my I'm nodding my head because uh, <laughs> well the, 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 you know, you can't see me but I'm just I'm nodding my head in total agreement. Um you know, I, I I I also admire the work of like Bessel van der Klock
1: yes. Um
0: and um Dr. Gabor Maté. Um, oh, yes. who, who all talk about, you know, the, the effects of psychological stress and trauma, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I agree with you first and foremost that, um, you know, we're not, when we're talking about trauma, we're not, we are talking about, you know, could be physical abuse, emotional abuse. Like we are talking about that, but we're also talking about not that, like it could be somebody saying something mean to you in your teenage years that you've held on to for so long, like that it became a belief about yourself. It could be exactly, yeah, something you know, sort of not. It it, it might not be uh, experienced as a as a big major thing, but it's the accumulation of all the little things sometimes
1: yeah. that you know, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um. Even, even growing up in an environment where you're highly rewarded for being happy all the time, you know, and where your are like emotional, emotional range isn't welcome can be a traumatic experience really for a child. Or well, anything.
0: because if you, you know, cause we're going to feel anger and we're going to feel sad and grief and all of those emotions. And when it comes up and, you know, then you shame yourself for yes. feeling that way.
1: Right, because that's what we've learned. Our culture really vilifies emotions. So, like, I just have to say, the reality of emotions when we connect with them and we have access to our body, again, is that they're our intuition. They're, like, they're our guidance. They're just amazing, this energy that flows through our body, right? But but we're, you know, that's not what we've learned. So we're in our heads. We're dissociated from our bodies. So back to the body question is, like, teaching Your brain that it's safe to be in your body and that's actually a lot of kind of mindfulness stuff but you know like learning how to breathe learning how to scan your body and name sensations uh, noticing all the ways your brain tries to escape your body when you try to just keep your attention on sensations in your body starting to welcome emotional sensations rather than try to make them go away one of my pet peeves really is like there's this message out there that anger is bad for us and (laughs) suppressing anger is hard on the body and not having skills to be present with it and feel the energy because it can be big energy in our body is can be harmful because then we end up dumping it in unhealthy ways on people and but, but the emotion itself, when we learn how to be present with the sensations of it and feel it in our body is hugely beneficial.
0: So And not all anger is bad too. I mean, if you think about it, like if you are witnessing an injustice or, so, or something happening that you feel is like not aligned with your value right. and you get ang- angry about it. Oh, right. Right? Like that's, it's not a bad, it's not a bad expression, but you still need to know what to do with or the bodily, it,
1: yeah, how to use it in positive constructive ways, yeah, and that starts by being connected to your body, I think we, because we're like, you know, very intellectually kind of like body shaming culture, and not, that's not even just about body shapes and sizes, that's also about not honoring wisdom that comes from the body, not honoring intuition, and being very like logically driven, intellectually driven uh, culture, So, um, I don't remember what I was going to (laughs) say. Anyway, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll
0: it'll float its way, it float its way back. But what I was going to say with respect to, um, you know, these, these unpleasant emotions that may, because they're usually associated with some unpleasant sensations within the body. It takes a tremendous amount of, energy to try to suppress that oh yeah that there is just potentially no other space or room or energy left to do anything else right so you know learning to to become present with the body with the emotions feel them allow them to come in and out yeah um you know is going to free
1: up space yeah and give us energy yeah right yeah because like it does it takes a lot of energy to suppress that emotional energy and it's you know happening unconsciously and creating a lot of tension and stress in our bodies yes and what i was going to say about the emotion is that i one of the re-education things that i do when we first start working when i first start working with women is when I'm talking about emotions I'm talking about the sensations in your body. Most of us think of emotions as the thoughts that are going through our head. I'm so angry at that person, obsessing about what happened. I'm sad about this because and like giving the reasons. Like you know the those thoughts can sometimes be helpful for understanding but but processing emotions happens by having your awareness on the sensations in your body. And the emotional energy is in the body, not in our minds.
0: That's a really, I like that distinction because oftentimes, I think the, the challenge with, understood, with the buy-in, you know, working with emotions is because we think that it's a logical thought right. process. right. Right. Whereas there is compo- like, there's that component, the mental component of the emotion, but there's a physical one too. Yes. Right. Um, so I, so I like that. I like how you kind of uh, uh, highlighted that. Yeah. Um. So you were talking about uh, breathing, um, pleasurable, you know, pleasurable touch, um, you know, movement right getting yeah. getting the body moving um also helps to get you present well mindful mindful movement and mindful to me just means like you're not trying to think about what you're cooking for dinner while you're doing the exercise oh, right. or watching TV while you're doing yeah, the exercise yeah. right yes. you're kind of creating that quiet space
1: yeah yeah. I think it also starts from reframing your relationship with your body. Cause I think it's really easy when you start on a healing path like this for your mind to take over and be like, I have to do these, this exercise and I have to do this meditation and I have to, and it can all be done. I mean, like I have a yoga teacher in my class right now. Who's like, Oh my God, I never learned how to be present with my body. You know, like we can even do things that are kind of good for us in a way that we're forcing our body to do things or
0: going through the motions. Take it, have
1: going through the motions and also really approaching our bodies in this way that we're trying to fix it and change it and make it better instead of really learning how to drop in and be friends with our body and actually access. Our body's wisdom. Like, so we're so used to overriding everything when we have to go to the bathroom, when we're going to eat, when we're, you know, like everything. Like, we don't listen to what our body actually wants. And so sometimes movement is exactly what your body wants. And sometimes your body wants rest. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so really learning how to tune in and understand the signals that your body is giving with you over trying to come up with a program of how your body should heal.
0: And it's interesting because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, this is a perfect example of human doing versus human being, yeah. right? Being, you know, with yourself yeah. in that moment. Cause you're right. I want to do this. I need to do this. And how many times do I need to do this a day? I need to do, 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 because I'm the one it's, it's like, I'm the one that's affecting the change. I'm imposing that I want yes. this to change. And of course, nobody wants to be in pain. Nobody wants to feel like, nobody's like, yay, I get to feel unpleasant sensations today. Like we know that that part is really, really hard. Um, but, and it's really hard to not want to do something about it. Yes. Versus be with it long enough that it, it will tell you the answer.
1: Yes. So my story actually is that when I had vulvar pain, which I've pretty much self diagnosed as vulvodynia after the fact, but I, you know I was having vulvar pain. It had started after chronic yeast infections. So I was went through like a year of doctors for the yeast infections and all kinds of alternative stuff. I finally had them sort of under control. And then I started having burning and pain during intercourse, and then that progressed to chronic pain, and I was going to, you know, my doctor, a gynecologist, different specialists, and I really got to the point where I realized I'm, like, struggling so much with my body. And, like, I I was already a coach at that point and a massage therapist, so I kind of had this knowledge in a lot of ways that, like, trusting and listening to my body is what Helped fix things or quote unquote fix things. So, like, the really big turning point for me was I just remember the moment I was like, I have to stop this. Like, I have to stop searching for answers and assuming there's something wrong. And I just tuned into my body and I made the decision, like, okay, for a period of time, I'm just going to assume my body's trying to help me and I'm going to start getting curious about what messages it might be trying to give me like so for now i'm gonna let this pain be here and get curious about it and see if i can listen and i just like you know within a few months my symptoms were gone so through just just by switching my how i was relating instead of trying to fix my body to try and listen to my body like you were saying earlier like Pain is the signal that something is wrong. And so instead of trying to, like, it's like trying to turn off a fire alarm without putting out the fire to try and get rid of pain without seeing what's really going on. And a lot of times we look to the physical, but it's not always the physical. There's a huge emotional component, nervous system component. How much pleasure do we have in our lives? How much joy do we have in our lives? You know?
0: Just, so that's that's where I wanted to kind of just uh, dive into is yeah. you know just talking about like what might the pain just different going through some different examples of you know what the pain might be trying to say like what you know uh, and it could be for example you're just not getting enough exercise so you're, you're just generally not moving your body enough and you know yeah that might be one component right What are some other
1: things that, you
0: know, pain might mean?
1: (sighs) Okay, so I'll start. There's so many different things. I'll start by saying for me uh, and what I see for a lot of women is that um, it, it was a lot about how I was showing up in my relationship at the time and that I was putting my own needs kind of Like, I didn't consciously think I was doing this. I thought I was, like, a pretty evolved, like, person, you know, But right? It wasn't like I hadn't done any of my own work already. I was already a coach, like, but I – there were just kind of habitual ways that I was putting the other person in my relationship's needs ahead of my own and discounting my own, and that was happening – both in our relationship, like in whatever we were doing, but also in sex. Like, so I was raised Catholic and sexually too. I had done, I had studied Tantra. I had done some other things to like heal my sexuality. I was, had some abuse when I was a child. Um, And, but still there was like this way that I wasn't allowing myself to really experience pleasure when I was, having sex and that wasn't at all about my partner it was all all totally internal and when i started communicating with my body one thing the pain very literally did was i kind of came up with this way of i'm gonna listen to the pain i'm not gonna do things that hurt so when that was in like a sexual the sexual part of our relationship that looked like me speaking up a lot more than I had been because I had to communicate what was happening for me so that we could try things different ways or, and that was like an amazing, really learning experience for me. So sometimes I think a lot of women, there's so much more potential for our sexuality, for pleasure, for owning pleasure, you know, like we can be so conditioned with shame around experiencing pleasure you know like I like to say there's a lot of names for women who are too sexual in our culture but there's not very many for men you know like men right. are supposed to be sexual they're supposed to want sexual pleasure and a lot of women are unconsciously showing up in their relationship sexually trying to please their partner more than own oh, being able to feel pleasure in their body I mean it comes back to being able to be in your body again
0: yeah so and, and certain And certainly that'll play out, you know, if you're not, you you know, not in a, in a pleasured state, right? Like your tissues are not going to have as much blood flow and the whole, you know, we have erectile tissue too, and it (laughs) it cushions and it, and it lubricates and it moves, right? It's meant to move and be flexible. But if, but if I'm resisting the er like if I'm resisting feeling pleasure, I'm probably going to be tight. And then yeah. having, you know, having something that's stretching and pulling and potentially yeah. like pressing into a tight muscle is going to hurt. Absolutely, yes. Right? And then I'll probably tense even more because now I'm like fighting, you know, wanting to feel pleasure. Now it hurts, so now I'm fighting the pain too and vicious cycle.
1: Yes. And I, and for women, in mostly in heterosexual relationships, the this idea of friction-based intercourse as if that's like the end-all be-all of how a woman should or can experience pleasure. You know, like there's so much more to learn about. I actually think like there's this way that we get really hyper-focused on orgasm that kind of like, gets the sensations out of our body. It's like building to a climax and then it's over as opposed to learning how to really breathe into the pleasure in our body and let it move and expand in our body. Um, So that's a really also fun learning experience that really starts with partnering with your body and learning how to listen to your own body. And
0: not being so mechanical. Right? yeah like exactly this yeah. is how sex works you know yeah. you do this and then this and you orgasm and it's like you know a yeah. plus b equals c and it just becomes yeah. very mechanical which again you're, you're right like that's gonna potentially lead to some problems over it's time like right? if we think
1: it's supposed to happen a certain way you know like some of it is like we need an owner's manual that really tells us <laughs> how our body's supposed to work. Cause if you're using your body in a way that it's not actually designed to work, um, that can cause pain too. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but that's, I mean, so sexuality is one area, but also just, I think what we talked about earlier, like when we have this pattern of dissociating from our bodies and suppressing our emotional energy unconsciously, we're not really aware of like, what we, what really feels good to us in our whole lives. So some of the messages are about being in work or jobs or situations that just don't feel good to us that are creating low levels of stress on a regular basis or, or ignoring things that are like our soul's calling and passion and we're not doing them because of fear um, or because we're just not even tuning in and allowing those parts of ourselves. So... It can be the pain, I think, can be a message to start to tune in, to go inward and start to see what really feels good to me. And what am I doing that doesn't feel good to me? And how do I start to shift the balance on that? Um,
0: Absolutely. I, I like um Lorimer. Mosley and david butler 's their dims and sims, you know danger in me and safety in me and i 'll oftentimes yeah. go through that i 'll use their like little chart as a guide to help people start listing off okay, well, you know what are the places, the people, the sights, the smells, like what irritates you like you know when you 're there and you're you know what don 't you like what what kinds of things yeah. are going on, and that goes in the danger side right and then like what is the pleasurable side, and how do we like Minimize our time here and maximize our time mm-hmm. in the pleasure zone, which is what you're saying, right? Right, um, and yeah, yeah. Because
1: it, a great thing about that is it doesn't have to be perfect, like so. Yeah. Us perfectionist women who come into like, okay, I have to do it this way, and I have to do it all these certain things, like, no, just like, okay, maybe 10% of the time, start doing things that feel really good to you or safe to you or. Like, those small shifts can make a big difference.
0: Absolutely. Um, And it's tough because, you know, you want want to give people a framework to work off of. But, you know, being, uh, you know, high achievers and, you know, type A and perfectionism, like, it's like, well, I must do it, like, tell me the exact correct way. And there is no exact correct way, right? It's like, here's a framework this is part of the self-discovery. Like this is where you have to put in the work that I can't give you the answer. Right. Um, and oftentimes, you know, I'll have a discussion, you know, I'll say, I'll say to my clients, like, I'm here to guide you, but I'm not fixing anything for you. You're right. This is, you're the healer. I'm just helping you Absolutely, with some yeah. structure right but you have to do the work and i say like if you don't do the work it doesn't work
1: right absolutely yeah i um i also think it has to do like i like what you said about supporting people and i see my role is like someone who helps women to come into their body and find their own answers like mm-hmm. we have this wisdom in our bodies with our emotional energies that is like the exact right guidance we need both for healing and for everything else in our lives. But we're, women are, everybody, but women especially, I work with women, are really cut, we're cut off from that. So instead of like telling someone, this is what you have to do, the processes I teach are about helping them reconnect to and understand the own wisdom they have in their body so that they can listen to that because that's what really leads to healing to success yeah and then yeah. To success. yeah
0: because there's gonna be so many varying factors right like you know sleep and food and relationships and job and environment and extra, you know, activities and then sexuality and all of it. And everybody's going to have their own degree of how much effort they need to put in into these different baskets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so you, um, so your work focuses a lot on empowerment.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: Right? Empowerment to change yourself. Yes. So I,
1: I, yeah, and and to lead your health plan. I think, so I think empowering yourself um, from a, so one of the main goals of my program is teaching women how to move from being like very mentally driven to learning how to listen to their body, um, learning how to understand their emotional energy, connect to their inner wisdom, um, and then trust it and start implementing the guidance they're hearing. And that goes for in their relationships, in sex, but it also goes for with their treatment. So I've had so many women come to me and say, I get two main questions, but one is like, A lot of women who've come to me who did something that their doctor recommended that they knew wasn't right for them and that made their pain worse. So learning how to trust yourself and kind of lead your treatment because there's so many experts out there that can help you but you we need to learn how to filter what they're suggesting through our own body because nobody else is in our body. And so if you get a gut feeling that something isn't the right thing to do or that something is, to learn how to trust that and follow that guidance, you know, to use the wisdom and the experts that are out there kind of as like consultants (laughs) more than the person who knows how to fix my body. Yeah, Um, yeah. and just I just think there's a lot of empowerment in learning how to allow your emotional energy to flow, to be present in your body, understand your body's guidance, it gives, you know, it just shifts your health overall. Like that is a piece of our health that has, it's a huge factor. Sometimes it's the only factor in pain and sometimes it's just a part of it. But if we're not addressing that, it's very hard for anything else to work. You know, like, so for example, if we are, like I have women what I see a lot is that a mind-body approach mind-body tools work really well in conjunction with physical therapy and that women who are doing both are really seeing shifts quickly because as a physical therapist right you're working with the tissues but if there's underlying emotional patterns that are triggering the nervous system and causing tension in the body and in the muscles then that's only going to go so far 100% (laughs) (laughs)
0: 100% <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. because I, I screen, right. I'm always screening for the potential, you know, what degree of that is, is present, right. I I understand how it all works together, but I'm not specifically treating the, emo- like the emotional set. I know that movement, exercise, deep breathing impacts, you know, e- the emotional realm. Um, right but I'm not treating that specifically. So I'm always like trying to explain, like get a couple sessions with somebody who can help you with this, right? And, I, and that's where I find um, the resistance because yes. nobody wants to talk to somebody else about the other stuff. So, um, so that's why I, I think our discussion today, you know, really illuminating that, like it's an interconnection between the mind and body and the, the you know, the physio side is... I'm I'm working with the body. I'm going to try to my best to help you understand how the other stuff fits in, but you still have to do the other work too.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one thing I I really like to focus on is teaching women how to understand the connection between what's happening with their emotions and what's happening physically and the, how that triggers their mind because like and give them the tools to work with that on their own. So it's not like you have to go see a therapist and work with them forevermore. Therapy can for sure play a role. But I think what I like to do is educate women Mm -hmm. about how to really be present with themselves and do a lot of this on their own. Um, Because understanding the connection between the mind, emotions, and body is like, that is like where our empowerment really is. And that's where we can do so much for our health on our own when we have the tools to do it. So.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, I want to just quickly
0: ask about, or just, just touch upon sex because um, oftentimes women experiencing vulvodynia and pelvic pain, as you said, have already either stopped having sex. Maybe they're having very minimal sex. Um, You know, how how do you sort of how do you deal with that? How do you talk to women yeah. about that? How do you help them kind of get back to
1: that? So I start by helping them connect with their own bodies. So I mean, one very simple thing is just like noticing how you feel about your vulva. If you didn't have negative feelings about your vulva before you have vulvodynia, there's a very good chance you do now, right? So like starting to uh, just I call it a self-pleasure practice, but it's not really a masturbation kind of practice. It's not necessarily, it's more about like starting to send love to that part of your body, starting to listen to your body, starting to explore what feels pleasurable in your body outside of what your normal ideas of sex might be. And starting with yourself, because when you connect to your body, you're also going to feel emotional energy and Some old patterns might come up and it's so much easier to sort through all that or to be present with it on your own before you're with a partner. Um, And then I also recommend, you know, talking with your partner about what you're learning and then also seeing if most partners are very willing that, that I see to like start at, ground zero, like let's reconnect that way ourselves, let's go really slow, like there's this whole world of potential potential intimacy and sexual connection that I think kind of gets on the back burner when we get really focused on just having sex the way we're used to having it. So um, communication, starting almost like with a kindergarten mindset, you know, like starting from the basics and making that fun, right? instead of going in and having certain boundaries up front that you've talked about. So you know that you're not going to get in a situation where you feel pressured to do something that hurts or.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And there's, and and there's that's an important piece to say that there are so many other ways to have sexual intimacy that doesn't necessarily mean penetration.
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, And that, that part can be actually fun to explore if you Absolutely. open your right?
1: <laughs> but you got to
0: open yourself up to that. Exactly, yeah. And then if you're not open to that, asking yourself why that is. Yes. Because there's obviously something there that needs to be addressed before the process can move forward.
1: One thing I see so much, and it actually even surprises me seeing it with very young women too, like in their 20s, um, is this kind of idea especially if they're in relationships with men that they owe men like once they start intimacy with a man the man is gonna have to you know finish or have an orgasm and that it's gonna have to end in penetration and like that's so far from what even meant most of the men are thinking <laughs> like it's, that's not necessarily coming from their partners There's right just this idea of like And then that, like, I can't start something if I'm not going to finish it. And then they're like, they have all this anxiety and then they lose intimacy too. And all the other possible ways of having pleasure with a partner.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, you run into the, you know, the other consequences as well if you start to lose intimacy then you know maybe your communication starts to break down in other ways and maybe you're you know not engaging with each other anymore with activities and and you know then the relationship itself degradates as well okay. and it right so it definitely it, you know an important aspect to to really you know uh get into and and talk about so um i just wanted to highlight that briefly wow. Um, so of course you have a, a program, you know, you've been doing this, um, uh, a long time helping women, helping your, you know, helping yourself, helping other women as well. Um, where, where can people find you? Where can they find information about your program? Where can they follow you?
1: So my website is radiantlifedesign.com. Um, the name of my program, my online course is Healing Female Pain, but you can access that through the website. I'm also on Facebook, Radiant Life Design, and on Instagram, my name, Lorraine faindrick on Instagram. So any of those places, I also have a free ebook on my website, which is... Um, seven reasons for pelvic pain and how to get on the path to lasting relief, which talks about a lot of what we've talked about today, but the different components that can contribute to vulvodynia and other pelvic pain.
0: Excellent, and for those who may not have a paper and pen and are concerned about the spelling and all of that, do not worry. We will put all those links um, into the show notes, so you'll be able to go into the podcast description, and all that contact info will be there, uh, so you can, you know, copy and paste or click on it, and and you'll get right connected. Um, Lorraine, I want to thank you so much. Uh, this has been such a pleasure to chat. I, like, I, I glanced over at my questions like two, three times, but our conversation, <laughs> our conversation just ebbed and flowed in such a lovely, lovely way. And uh, I'm just grateful. So thank you for coming and sharing that with us.
1: Thank you so much, Madeline. It was my pleasure. Yeah, it was fun to talk with you.
0: Absolutely. And, um, we always want to thank the listeners for, um, obviously tuning into the podcast. If you're not subscribed, uh, you know, click that subscribe button because this way you'll stay up to date with all the wonderful podcast guests that we have on the show. And, uh, you know, share this out because, um, you know, women are not going to necessarily be telling other women that they're going through these things. So, um, you know, just by sharing, you don't know who might click and then be accessing information um, that could really, really help them in their physical life, but also in every aspect of their life. So, you know, share it out. Let's get the word out about um, about pelvic pain. And let's, you know, like, let's help us, let's help the ladies get back to living as your website, you know, a radiant life.
1: Yes. So. Woo-hoo! Exactly. Yes. Share, share.
0: Yeah. All right. So thanks again. And until the next time we say bye for now. Thank you for listening to living a better life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again until the next episode. Bye for now.